Hello, I'm Tracy Carlton Ward, and this is Sweat, Grit, and Hustle. On this week's episode, I am in conversation with a wonderful lady that I've only known for just over a year, but absolutely inspirational. And that is the amazing Jilly Woodhouse of Osteobiz. So Jilly started life as farmer's daughter in Shropshire. She's a mum of two and she's been in business for herself for 27 years. However, for the business that she's now running, that's been running for eight years and that has gone from being a £60 a month earner eight years ago to now being a successful global business earning five figures a month in a niche industry. Jilly, thank you so much for being with you. It's an absolute delight to be in conversation with you. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks for asking me to come along. I'm really chuffed. Brilliant. So let's get cracking because, as you know, the part of our inspirational series of successful business owners is to help others get a little bit of inspiration and motivation to basically start in business or take their small business to the next level. So, you know, as we've just said, you in the last couple of years, your business has really shot up. Uh, it's now doing five figures a month. But where did it all start for you? How on earth did you leave the industry you were in in 94 and go in business on your own? Well, um, I, I've always been a bit of a workaholic. And uh, so when I um, had my first son, Max, in 94, I basically thought I'll just drop him, you know, and then um, hand him over to a childminder and I'll just get back on the tube and go back into central London and carry on. In um, I was in, working in recruitment at the time uh, relating to commercial property surveyors because I love commercial property. I worked in that for donkey's years. Um, and so I just thought, you know, I'll just sort of have him and and get a childminder and go back to work. And then as soon as I held him in my arms, I just thought, oh, my God, I want to feed him myself. I want to look after him. I don't want to give him away to anyone else. Um, and I so I, I, I sort of thought, right, I'm not going back to um, the world of work as I knew it before. And I had to find a way to earn my own money because I couldn't not work do something to bring in money you know bring bring in cash to the family it just uh, goes against the grain i think it's just that hard working family farming family lifestyle that you know there's not i mean i always joke about i don't understand the word retirement because farmers don't retire they just keep going as long as they can and then one day they keel over and i think that'll be me <laughs> yeah i think that's pretty much the same with the mine the mining industry although obviously that's declined in the uk but as a miner's daughter we were brought up the same way you you, you get out there and you work and you earn a crust that's how it was yeah so what you set up business uh, 27 years ago? Wow, in '94. So, what did you get into first? Because I know you know your osteobiz um, company's only been running for about eight years. So, you know what was what was going on in the other 19 years? Yeah, well, all sorts of things. Um, I started off by um, working in um, uh, what they call it L LMN or no, L I can't remember what you call it, multi-level marketing. Um, in jewellery and um, so when I was pregnant with my second son I would wear a black crinkly dress that clung 
to my body in my big bump, cover it in jewellery and enamelled um, spider brooches and all sorts of things. And people would you know, do girl girly parties in the, of an evening. People would be buying jewellery off my body, basically. <laughs> Uh, there was little enamel apples and lemons and, and gorgeous cabochon jewellery. Um, but, yeah, I did really well doing that. But it, And it got me out of an evening and got me mixing with other women um, and having some fun and, and making a few quid. Yeah, and you know, that, is, that is quite common because for those of you listening, you know, this isn't about necessarily going out there and building a giant business. Some of you are just wanting to do a business in order to get you out. And I know that's the case with several single mums and several new mums. They want to get out and part of, you know, one of the great things I love about multi-level marketing, MLM, is for many people, men and women alike, it's actually getting paid to have a bit of a social life. So there's nothing wrong with that. So if you were doing really great in that, what was the reason for that all ending? Oh, well, um, actually, she ran away with all the um, with all the cash. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing imploded and all these people with their big Mercedes and second homes all suddenly crashed and burned. So that was, yeah, that was... <laughs> that, that was the end of that one. That you know was what? the end of that. Yeah, yeah, you know what they say, always make sure you know who you're getting into the B&B with. That's bed and business. <laughs> so yeah. Just got to make sure that you know who you're working with, because that is one of the disadvantages of that industry that, yeah. you know, it can crumble overnight for many people. So what, did you go from that into your current business or have you slowly built up this this sort of ideal of what you're doing now? How did that come about? How go from selling jewellery off your pregnant skin tight black dress turn into global success with five figures a month? Well, um, sort of fast forward a little bit and um, I was doing a bit of credit control from home for my uh, then husband's um, law firm. They were massively in debt. Um, well, at least they <laughs> it was ridiculous because I've never known a company work like it, but their, their clients owed them two million pounds at a book debt of two million. Wow. And he was a partner in the firm. And I said, this is outrageous. You know, I, I, my sort of business instinct was like, this is not tenable. You can't run a business, even if you think you're a swanky London um, top law firm, you can't run it in debt like that. Um, and there'd been a property crash at, at the time that I was working for them. Um, and they'd got two floors in a big, fabulous building, and they are, they only inhabited one floor. And I was like, where is their business sense? <laughs> you know? So I just I, I did some work for them to um, to to gently tickle their clients to get some bills paid. Because, you know, I just I could just see that they were going to go down the pan. Um, and I got a million in, in, a, in um, I don't know, it was less than a year. Wow. And just gently tickle, tickle, ringing people up and, um, and getting them getting the money in. And um, unfortunately, later on, they did. They did indeed go down the pan. Yeah, well, but, with that know. kind of business sense, it was inevitable, really, wasn't it? Exactly. But um, at, at, at that time, I was. Um, we also moved out to Athens um, with the boys who were about six and seven. Um, and it was while I was out there 
that I, I sort of my brain got into gear yet again and I was like all these wealthy foreigners from all over the world it was in the British Embassy School where my boys went, there was like 52 different nationalities there. Um, and there was all these wealthy women who liked getting their hair and nails done and going to the gym, but, you know, would start start sweating at the thought of having to make dinner from scratch every evening because there was no such thing as a ready meal out there. So they'd be like, well, I've got a piece of chicken and an onion. What am I going to make tonight? <laughs> chicken and onion I guess yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah so um I just sort of observed this and uh and I thought to myself well I'm a farmer's daughter I'm quite happy cooking great big vats of whatever um and so I just had this bright idea to um to to create ready meals for the expats out there and um the first day I gave out my little menu of what I was going to be cooking this week um uh, I handed it round to the mums in the playground at drop-off in the morning and I felt absolutely sick as I left through the gate because I thought they must be thinking, who the hell does she think she is cooking for us? We cook our own dinners, you know. But actually, um, the phone didn't stop ringing. And the first week I was making lasagnas and I think even just a chocolate cake or something or other. And um, I made something like 24 lasagnas for four portions so family portion um and um it was great fun I loved it and they were going oh, I hate making lasagna it's so time consuming I was like oh, I love making lasagna <laughs> layering it all up and working it so I, I love efficiency and you know I'd be like um pasta 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 bolognese 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 cheese sauce cheese sauce cheese sauce and I'd work my way around and like built them all up and uh, I chilled them down in big foil containers, chilled them down. So I took the orders Wednesday, um, cooked Thursday and they picked them up Friday morning and had a cup of coffee. Oh, how fantastic. So you, you were one of the most popular expats out there, I guess, were you? <laughs> They're still talking about my sausages out there, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what a thing to do, you know, look around you guys, look at what, is missing for the people around you because uh, you know that is a great example of how going into business based on demand creates an income you know, yeah that's that's brilliant I love it so osteobiz biz eight years old you're not an osteopath Julie from the discussions we have so how the you know how did you end up in a niche industry like osteo paths and how does your business work with them because I know what you do is help them become successful but where did that come from and how does it all work okay so I ended up having to move back from Athens and give up my business and, and my home and my car and absolutely everything because my youngest son um, had heart failure and a stroke when he was 12 and this was because um, of chemotherapy he'd had when he was a baby for a, a, an apparently incurable kidney cancer but he, he survived he keeps prevailing that boy wow. so um anyway they he, they told me that um he needed a heart transplant they put him on a pump with medication uh, going in, in through his chest wall directly into his heart and said go home and enjoy your child and I said excuse me what do you mean go home and enjoy my child he needs a heart transplant they went oh yeah but we don't do them for children in Greece 
So I said, okay, I got on my tiny little red Nokia um, in the, at the back of the Anassis Heart Hospital in southern Athens, and I rang the consultants at Great Ormond Street who'd worked with, helped him when he was a baby. And I said, you have to help him. He needs a transplant due to the chemotherapy that's ruined his heart. And, and they said, uh, no, 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 you're, um, you're not living here. You're not resident so you can't have you can't have a heart transplant. And I went, excuse me, <laughs> I was not taking no for an answer, Tracy. So I had to fight a little bit, um, and eventually I got him and myself back home with just a red suitcase with a few clothes and bits and bobs, and we repatriated rather suddenly. So I lost everything I built up there, um, and so when we got back, they they did help him. I, I promised I wouldn't take him back to Greece because his heart needed ongoing care, obviously. Um, and it was at that point he'd got right side hemiplegia and, and I took him to see my friend Anne, who's an osteopath. So we're getting there now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she started working on him and he was, you know, in considerably bad state, to be honest. Um, and, uh, you know, he was in and out of Great Ormond Street a lot, not very well. Um, and they had they'd put him on the heart transplant list initially. And then they said, um, actually, you found three other cases where there's chemotherapy induced cardiomyopathy. And then this parvo virus that he'd got from school, which was like slap cheek, they call it here, I think. Um, and that had further attacked his heart and, and sort of finished it off. So they said these kids had over time uh, recovered from the viral damage, but the chemo damage continued to ruin the heart. So they said, look, he's 12, he's thin as a stick, um, a little child, you know. And they said, if we could take him off the list with your permission for a few months just to see if we can get him into puberty, get him a bit bigger, and then he can take um, perhaps a small woman's heart, you know, rather than a kid's heart, which was going to be better for him in the long run. So um, always the optimist. I said, absolutely, let's do it. And so taking him to Anne, helping with the, his hand was clamped shut and, you know, his body was not working terribly well because of the right side hemiplegia. And um, she started working on him and, and he started to get stronger and better. And and then a while later, he said, I got him into school and, and then he started saying, oh, instead of going on the bus, mum, can I cycle to school? And I was like, oh, my God, you know, he's still got this major heart condition and possibly didn't ought to be cycling. Anyway, he was adamant. So um, I made him do the cycling proficiency test or whatever they call it these days, because I thought, oh, he's, you know, he, his, his spatial awareness wasn't as good anymore. Um, and I thought it was a going down a busy road to get to school. Anyway, he did all that and off he'd go. And I just, you know, cross my fingers and carry on. And and some nights he'd cycle back up the hill home and then he'd go, oh, mum, I think I need a bit of a top up with Anne. I'd quickly book him in with her, whiz him round. She'd do a bit of cranial osteopathy on him mostly, which is very, very gentle. It's perfect for children. Um, and then he'd get on his bicycle again the next day and cycle off to school like the wind. Um, and, and I always noticed he slept really well after treatment with her as well. He's, he, he, you know, he, his body was sort of calmed down and settled again. And um, the, the consultants at Great Ormistry were absolutely flabbergasted because we didn't just buy 
like a few months to try and get them a bit bigger. We bought five whole years. Wow. And I think that's down to osteopathy. I really do. That's amazing. Really. Um, he was they kept his body in opt, optimum health, even though it was in, you know, dire straits. Yeah. And, you know, I can only begin to imagine what a tortuous time that was for you as a parent. You know, it, in fact, it, it's even hard to imagine what that would be like if you've not gone through it. But the great thing is there's a couple of lessons come out of that for me for people in business. One is, you know, this amazing don't take no for an answer. You know, don't yeah. just give in at the first hurdle. Yeah, and, and yeah, I get it. We've been talking about Gillian, how she got into the osteopath in the industry through her child's illness. But it does have a lesson. Businesses, if you take no the first time somebody says it to you, you ain't going to get very far. Sometimes you've just got to push through, go round, go over, go under, but get your way past that obstacle. And I, yeah. lo I love the fact that it was like, you know, just carry on regardless. But it's also the lesson that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And it doesn't matter how successful you are in business, that could end tomorrow because of some emergency, some situation. But the brilliant thing listening to that is, Jilly, is even though that ended because it was critical you got back to the UK, um, your ethos was, okay, one chapter's ended, let's go start a new business. Yeah, it absolutely was. And I didn't know what that was going to be. Um, and I, you know, did feel a little bit sorry for myself for a while because everything that I built up had just gone so suddenly, and um, you know, it was really tough being back in you know what seemed like a really grey country after the the colour and fun of living in Athens. Um, but you know, I had to get over myself. Like I didn't have a car anymore. I'd got I'd just bought a new car six months before all that happened, and I loved it. And, and suddenly I was back here with no car and and I was miserable, you know, and I, and I had to get on the damn bus to go to the shops. And I was sitting in the bus feeling grumpy and tearful and woe is me. And then one day I thought, you know what, I can either sit here and be blinking miserable or I can just count my blessings and go, do you know what? I get chauffeur driven to the shops when I whenever I fancy, and that's how I go over myself. <laughs> yeah, and that that's brilliant because sometimes if you imagine sort of negative and positive as being two sides of a scale, what we often do, uh, and I've been there, and I know lots of other people that have. You look at all the negative. Oh, you know, this is shit. Life is shit. This business has gone pear shaped. I'm not getting the money I want. I'm working 20 hours a week, and you pile all this negative onto the the side of the scales, and you're not putting any positive reinforcement in there. You know, and I'm not talking woo woo about positive versus negative mindset. I'm just talking about the language you're sharing with yourself. So I love that one. What a brilliant positive piece of language to put on the other side of the scales you know some people might see it that I'm on the bus I see it as I'm being chauffeur driven to the shops I love that yeah. one Julia that <laughs> what a brilliant brilliant attitude to have for somebody in business so the last two years your business I mean you know I mentioned at the start that when all this took off when you spotted what Anne was doing you believed in the osteopath world you then set off a business to help osteopaths grow their businesses. 
which again is another great ethos that we've heard it before. I think it was Wayne Dwyer said, you get what you want when you help enough people get what they want. So brilliant route to go. But, you know, as I said at the intro, <laughs> a month before that business started, you, you were earning £60 a month. Yeah, <laughs> I was so... Uh, Anne said to me that um, they had uh, a few of them had got together and set up a small teaching faculty and they were doing um, CPD courses for other osteopaths um, sort of a few times a year. So it was quite a small concern. She said, look, it's not much, but would you, you know, we need someone to do the marketing and the organising and admin and taking the orders and all that, answering the phone. Um, are you interested? And I said, yeah, that's just my bag. I can do all that. Um, worked in offices way, way back, you know, and uh, I know all about that. And I was teaching myself social media marketing um, because I thought that was definitely the way to go. Um, and so I so I accepted and I took it and I loved it. And I would even put on the fresh lunches for them at, at the events as well. And uh, I used to line them up at lunchtime and there was always fresh salads and everything else and basil and and everything on the caprese salad and they'd be going oh and because they work so hard they physically work and they're mentally working that I always joke with them that they've got really hot appetites you know <laughs> so you know again it goes back to the far farming world you know where one eats a very hearty lunch so I used to say to them, now, now, here you go. Here's your plate. Now, line up and uh, help yourself. And there's only one rule here. And they go, ooh, what's that? And I say, you have to have seconds. They were like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was talking to them over lunches, Tracy, that I suddenly realised that they were struggling and they were going, oh, we, don't, we never got taught marketing at, um, when we studied um, osteopathy we don't know how to get new patients and then they will say I keep making people better and then I need more new patients but I don't know how to do it and I was like oh are you using social media now oh no I don't know what I'm doing there I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be putting myself out there and and it, and I could see that they've got no no strategies for marketing themselves or bringing in attracting in people because because the biggest problem of all is that even now with everything I've done for eight years and everything they're doing it's all rippling out people still don't know what an osteopath does um and they think it's just backs when it's actually whole body health um and they diagnose with you know they use they use their their knowledge, their experience, their hands can tell what's going on inside your body. They're re remarkable people. Um, and, you know, some of the threads in the, in the group I've got with them in there, I can read the entire post and all the threads and I have no idea what I just read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah so, I mean, some industries, they are technical, but it is true of the wellness industry to a large degree that the whole point is that you get your client well and there's a degree of maintenance. But, you know, it's an industry where when you get that client well, the income from them drops. It's yeah. de facto. That's what you're there to do. Yeah. Um, but it's also very true that there are many people that go into business because they have a passion. Yeah, they they love helping people. They've trained as an osteopath. They, they've trained as a massage. Whatever it is, they are in business because of their skill. 
and what many businesses like to grow, especially in those kind of industries where it's a service industry to others, is without the business skills, they will forever be working in their business, not on it. And even if that's what they choose to do in an industry where the clients will naturally come out of cycle and no longer be a client, you've got to constantly keep replacing that cycle. And if you don't have a clue about business and marketing, your business is never going to grow. And I think that's true of many businesses, not just osteopaths, you know, physiotherapists, sports therapists, massage therapists, hypnotherapists, all of those wellness industries. I think it's true for a lot of them. People go into it not realising it's all very well being trained as a X, Y, Z, but where's your business training? Where's your business knowledge? How are you going to market this business? Um, so I mm. love that. So Ostia Biz then literally helps them grow their business, I'm presuming. Yep. Yep. So, we, you know, over the years, I've sort of developed strategies for um, putting better operations in place so they work more efficiently because um, a lot of the time they get themselves exhausted because they're they're running around trying to do everything in the business um, to save money, but actually they're exhausting themselves. So um, I've now got strategies that work so well um, and, you know, really look after the patients. I'm very keen on, on creating a fantastic patient journey so they get top-level service um, on top of, top level care um and yes marketing's a big thing and that's you know that was my that's how really i started out was teaching social media marketing as one of the key areas because i knew that that most um people didn't know how to do that effectively and again i've developed strategies over the years for that as well and you know i i sort of teach how to get even one post out in front of you know 10 20 000 potential patients and when they start putting these things in place and start seeing the results it's really exciting and you know we just take take businesses that are either fledgling or um perhaps they've been going 30 or more years and they've sort of now fallen over and you know their their previous systems are just no longer working for them that they they've always relied on word of mouth and suddenly that's drying up and then suddenly they're in trouble. Yeah. So we, you know, and then there's others that just literally want to become more efficient and grow the business and bring in more associates and perhaps other modalities as well to create a multidisciplinary. So we do all that. And I just love it. And I bounce out of bed every day. They are the most fabulous people to work with. They're, they're always so excited. You know, our Facebook group of my mastermind members, there's over 80 of them in there. And like someone just joined from um, from a country in Europe last night and now given him sort of the biggest, warmest welcome. None of them know him, but he's now part of the family. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, yeah, that's and that's a good thing with masterminds is you're not just you're not just getting the services of the person that's running it. You're getting the brains, the camaraderie, and the friendship of the other people in the group that are going through the same process. So, mm. two years ago, you were doing four figures a month, low foot, low four figures a month, and today you're doing five figures a month. What what would you say is the 
biggest change you made to you or your business that allowed it to take off like that? Joining a mastermind, actually, (laughs) Um, and getting some focused help because, um, you know, I was bumbling along okay, but it wasn't enough. You know, I wanted to be able to help more people grow the business, um, you know, and it's I've now been able to to bring in and actually employ um, some members of my team, which gives them income, you know, which just makes my heart sing that you know, I can I can do that. Um, and in fact, um, I um, last few weeks ago employed my own son Toby, who's since had his heart transplant. <laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> yeah, uh, so he's on board now, creating websites for us. Um, because he was made redundant last year and he was sort of floundering a bit. So I've um, trained him up and now he's working with us. So really having more focus, um, a proper plan to follow, like I give my clients, you know, now I I think it's sped up my growth really by having um, other experts look at my business and go, well, dump that. That's, you know, not worth your time. Focus on this. Take that forward. And then off you go and just get on with it, you know, and, and it doesn't it doesn't impede the way you want to run your business. It just means that someone who's been there before you leads you that the right the right path rather than down the wrong path where you just might flounder and not do so well and not be able to help so many people. Because I, I feel like I'm in a rush, you know, it's like <laughs> it's time to crack on, you know, there's more people to help, more people struggling. Um, and I want to get them in and sorted and, and off off again. So effectively, to somebody new or with a fledgling business, that's all about, you know, ensuring that you have people guiding and advising you because you're not immune to needing people supporting you, are you? No, exactly. Um, and why not, you know, get advice from people who've been there before? made the mistakes you know we don't need to keep reinventing the wheel um you know and that's what i find with some of my clients they've they've tried and tried and tried to do it themselves and it's still not working and then they'll, they'll be worrying about making that investment without realizing that you get so much more back than what you put in you know and i, I always think I, I wish i could get that across you know that it's Yes, it's an investment and it's a serious investment because we're seriously investing our time and energy in your business as well. It's fair exchange. Um, but, you know, the, the the people who come to me with, you know, very low figures, struggling to pay for anything, struggling, you know, one, one person did, hadn't had a holiday for four years and they had a multidisciplinary practice, big practice. There was no money coming in and that's because the structure wasn't right and once we sorted it all out got the marketing sorted um systems in place suddenly it it all started working like clockwork and um and that that principal went off and had the holiday of his life that he dreamt about for years and just had an amazing time you know and and now and it continues now you know that they're doing extremely well there but you know, I just can't bear to think that anyone's struggling like that and worrying. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's a, call it what you want, but let's call it a fear. There is often a fear in individuals, not just businesses, that 
there is an element of knowing that they're going to have to invest to get the support they need to move forward. But there's also a fear of, I don't have that money right now. I, I can't justify that money even if I've got it. And effectively, you hold yourself back in your business and sometimes as an individual because you are so focused on the cost of something rather than the value of what it brings. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, for many businesses, that's what stops them growing, quite frankly. It's like, yeah. you know, they just don't grow without it. So, Jill, it's been amazing learning a bit more about your business and how you got from Farmer's Daughter um to osteobiz and wow what a story what resilience and what sort of you know what can do attitude i am not going to let me knock this down so i've got a few quick fire questions to finish with if i may um what is what's been your most extravagant purchase in your life um my most extravagant purchase was probably my car which i lost <laughs> <laughs> what meals my, on wheels <laughs> yeah my, well my it was a say at Leon, and it it was really nippy and i spelled a zoom with my boys over the mountains down to the beach um at skinny ass and uh, in half an hour but it was sort of very twisty turny and it was great fun driving it so that was probably my most extravagant, but yeah. Okay. And I know as a farmer's daughter and this work hard ethos, this is probably going to sound like a strange question. So the answer is not what retirement, but retirement, investment, pension, property. What's your vehicle for retirement? Yeah, well, there's a hole in that in in my vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's um, it's well, I suppose it's it's possibly my own property here, which which we can downsize at some point. But yeah, that's something that um, I've never really dealt with properly, and I know it's one area where I've, um, I've failed to really focus on. Mm. But. Yeah, but so um, yeah, I will keep working basically. I wouldn't know what else to do anyway. I'm on holiday this week, Tracy. Can you tell? No. <laughs> oh, hilarious! Um, if you could change, if you could do one thing to change the world, what would it be? Mm. Um, oh, well, I would just start with. I'd love every newborn child to see it on Stupav. Wow. To make sure they're okay. Just make it part of the whole process. Yeah. Um, and before I go on to our last question, which I always ask, which I know you don't know what that is at this stage. No. <laughs> um, if you could give somebody about to start a business, thinking of starting a business, or maybe just in the early days of their business, some advice, what what would be one thing that you would give? If you like, if you could now, as you are now, go back to that person you were in 1994, what's the one thing you'd tell yourself? Yeah, do something that you're passionate about. And I know that's an overused word, but, you know, when you... When you get into the business, and if it's tough in the early days getting going, you've got to get out of bed every morning and get back in front of the desk and carry on or whatever it is that you do. 
it's got to be something that means something to you. Like I loved feeding the people in Athens with lovely food and and I used to love the feedback and they even used to um, do dinner parties with my beef wellingtons and then the you know someone would say oh my darling that's great that beef wellington can you give me the recipe and they'd be in the back kitchen you know going jilly can you give me the recipe <laughs> <laughs> but i just you know i sometimes worked through the night making mince pies at christmas because the demand was so high but i did it because i loved doing it and i loved serving them and love giving them lovely food for their families and same with what I do now I, I want more people in pain to find those magic hands of osteopaths and that's what makes me bounce out of bed every day and even if there's a problem I like work around it over it under it like you said earlier to get past it and move on to the next thing so you, you know you have to have some fire in your belly about what it is you do because if you're just picking something out of thin air and think, oh, we'll have a go at that, when the days are tough, you won't you won't keep going. No, you won't. Definitely not. I, I must, after we've finished, I must get the name of somebody out of your group that's local to me, see if they can sort my shoulder out. Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> but so, podcast is called Sweat, Grit and Hustle. Um partly because I believe there's an element of all three as you start a business and certainly as you grow a business from its fledgling stage to its teenage stage, etc. Which resonates the most with you and why? Sweat, grit or hustle? Grit. Grit. Just never give up. Yeah, I figured it might be that one with the don't take no for an answer. Yeah. Jilly, it has been absolutely amazing I've heard, you know, I've known you for over a year and I've still heard new stuff. You are doing amazing things with your business and it is so beautiful to see. So how can people get out to you? Have you got a website for your business? If they're an osteopath, how do they reach out to you? Yes, osteobiz.com is my website. Um, Julie at osteobiz.com if they want to email me or find me on Facebook and Instagram, Julie Woodhouse delighted to help brilliant jilly thank you so much for sharing that with me and the listeners it has been an absolute pleasure thanks tracy and thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to me today to keep up with what we're doing and what's coming on sweat grit and hustle do visit us at www.sweatgrithustle.com.